There was a, a thing a couple of years ago where they did an experiment where they would delay your own speech by like half a second. So you'd have headphones and you would try to talk, but you would hear yourself half a second ago, like in real time. And it, you're just speech falls apart immediately. Like you can't do it. And they put it out as an app in like, the 2010s at some point and people were like making videos of themselves trying to do it because it sounds like one of those things it's like oh yeah no i'd be able to do it you can't no was the goal just to like experiment how crazy people would go or was it just people thought it'd be cool to try I forget. It? the goal wasn't let's make an app where people make embarrassing videos of themselves but <laughs> that's what it became but i don't i don't i don't remember what sparked the study no thanks hi glenn nice to meet you in real time hello it's nice to meet you <laughs> Um, I've genuinely been enjoying your podcast. That's so sweet. And your message and, uh, really warmed my heart. Shark Party emailed me about like I I go and I like listen to the most recent episode of everything to make sure I'm not like agreeing to something I don't want to be a part of. I get that. Uh, so I've been, you know, learning about a lot of new podcasts. I'm, I'm like getting caught up on yours. Like you've had people I know on. Uh, so I've been going back and listening to those. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. you're listening to service from hell a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work i'm actor and writer kate gaffney and i'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as i used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in los angeles and at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you're ready to order when i was running around like a crazy person so let's eat I'd like to welcome our guest, comic and weird dad, Glenn Tickle. Originally from Pennsylvania and not New Jersey, despite what he says, Glenn has appeared on Dry Bar Comedy, The Travel Channel, Cozy TV, and can be heard on Sirius XM. He is also available for punch up on your kids' notes to the Tooth Fairy, who is totally real. Also, ask him about the marshmallow experiment, and we aren't going to, we'll ruin a bit, but it's really, really funny. Glenn is here to promote his insanely funny new special, Against the World Crime League, which will be out September 15th, 2023, again. I can confirm it's hilarious. And I was teasing. Glenn is very specific about where he is from. He's definitely from New Jersey and he makes reference to it a lot. And in all of the literature I read, it was like, I am from New Jersey. So clearly I had to say he was from Pennsylvania. So Glenn, is your last name a stage name? Cause, uh, it's just the best comedy name of all time. How on earth did you come up with a name for your special? What do your kids tell people their dad does for a living? Tell us all the things. Uh, it's a lot of questions really fast. <laughs> you so got to answer them gonna, without me repeating them. I'm probably going to miss them. <laughs> uh, I'll try to do them in the order. Yes, it's my real name. Uh, I get asked about it all the time. Uh, it, there's a place in England called Tick Hill. Uh, and it got like run together from like, I guess that's where the name originated. And it just got run together over the years. I do not remember the second question. Third question. <laughs> uh, my kids tell like they know I'm a comedian, but they don't understand what the job is really like i've been bringing my older daughter with me more and more lately uh just to like you know so they understand what this is and she she came with me last summer i did a chicken festival in nebraska and i brought her so it was like a little daddy daughter trip for a couple of days um and she i brought her to a college gig to connecticut once and on the way home from that she's like what's what's your job <laughs> And I'm like, you saw me do it the, like last night. That that's that's my job. She's like, no, like for work. And like that. That's so they understand that daddy a lot of the time goes and tells people jokes. They just don't understand how that 
is a job? And I'm like, I don't either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like most adults in all of our lives. It's like, well, I can't really explain it, but I promise it makes money. I have the same conversation with adults too, where they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, comedian. They're like, no, for like a job. What do you do? Oh, it's the most (laughs) insulting follow-up question of all time. It's like some people actually make a living doing this crazy weird thing. Like you didn't leave. Also, they will have a job title that is just words strung together. Yes. I've been, I've been doing a bit about it where like I, the guy told me, he's like, Oh, I'm a safety training coordination supervisor. I'm like, you can't just pick words. (laughs) Like that's, you don't understand how comedy is a job, but you're a safety training coordination supervisor, Derek. Like that's nothing. (laughs) Tell me that's really what he told you. Like it's those four words. Yeah. (laughs) I wrote it down. That's so specific. A lot of times people will try to explain their jobs to me and it's gotten to the point where I think it's like a bit that people are doing where it's like, that's not, that's not, you are not like (laughs) my brother was a purchasing manager and I was like, that's, what do you mean? He's like, he works for a construction company at the time. And he's like, yeah, when you build a building, you need to buy a lot of things. Who do you think does it? I'm like, I don't know, but it just feels weird that that's your whole, you sit in an office, you order wood. And he's like, yeah, kind of. That's. I mean, uh-huh. it's air conditioned. Well, the second question was, um, so the name of your special, I, I, I'm certain for a certain subset of the population that makes such sense. And it's a cool specific it's reference. A, a pretty small subset. Okay. <laughs> so please elaborate. <laughs> uh, the, the special is Glenn Tickle against the world crime league, which, uh, my favorite movie is the adventures of Bucker Banzai across the eighth dimension. And in the credits for that movie, it says, watch for Bucker's next adventure, Bucker Banzai against the world crime league. But that movie bombed and they didn't make another one because uh, it's like just me and John Hodgman and Ken Plume are like the only people who like that movie <laughs> still. Um, so years ago when I was doing my, my last special, Good Grief, I was editing the title or the, the credits. And I was like, oh, I'll just throw that in as like a joke at the end for me. And then uh, they actually put World Crime League out as a book uh, during the pandemic. And it's not good, but uh, <laughs> it's like, well, I'll, I'll still use it because uh, I like the title. And now I'm I'm putting the credits on World Crime League. And it's like, I should do that again. I should put another one in there. Um, but I don't know what it's going to be yet. So we'll see. I love it. And I don't want to ruin this piece in case it doesn't make it to the special that other people see. But the, the watermelon, you don't have to explain it here, but I um, sure. loved that. So I don't know. Is that going to be at the end of this? Sp- it's actually at the beginning now. Oh, it's at the beginning. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, great. I did it as like a cold open. Great. There's a watermelon on stage with me, which uh, I think it was between when we it was either right before or right after I filmed and Gallagher died. And I'm like, ah, oh, people are going to think this is like a weird tribute to a racist <laughs> guy who died. I'm like, it's not, it's not, it's got nothing to do with Gallagher. It's, Wait, it's all because of Buckaroo Banzai. Wait, I have to know Gallagher's racist. I hate that. I didn't know that. I mean, he's not now cause he's dead, he's dead. but yeah, he was <laughs> his whole act in the later years was just like racist street jokes screamed at an audience um that's awesome boo sorry to any gallagher fans out there i'm glad you told me Uh, i did not know that i would have probably defended him unknowingly that's a bummer no he he came and like trashed my friend's club a couple years ago uh and it was like you know uh, the whole watermelon thing you're gonna make a mess but like beyond the expected mess he just like destroyed the room 
uh, and is like, you know, it is, was just not a great dude. Like he did that uh, WTF interview he walked out on years ago. I didn't, I love Mark, but I don't, I don't, uh, there's so, his, his body of work is so broad with that podcast. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, but I didn't know he walked out and now I'm going to have to, well, I don't know if I should listen. But to yes, it. the watermelon is there because of Bucker Bonsai, not because of Gallic. Okay, good. I'm glad I give you a chance to clarify because, uh, good. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I had no idea. <laughs> okay. I say this often, but I don't think people actually understand developing a full, cause you do a full hour and I will say a lot of comics are kind of doing that 30 minute little taste. What, what is considered a taster in the industry? It still takes an enormous amount of time to put together 30 minutes, but an hour is its own sort of beast of material. So how long would you say like you invested in just crafting that hour? Uh, this was mostly stuff developed during the pandemic. Um, I think there might've been a couple of things that were like holdovers from right, right before. Cause I recorded, um, my special good grief, December, 2019. And then my dry bar special was January, 2020. So like I recorded a lot of jokes in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. There were very different sets. Um, but then everything shut down shortly after. And it's, it was, I, I did a lot of zoom shows, uh, particularly like corporate zoom shows. It's hard to develop material on the internet for people who are at work. How do you like, know? How do you know? Like, oh, but they were at their jobs and you're doing f- bits. Yeah. Oh, no. They're like, they've been sitting in like some training meeting all day. And then I'm the thing at the end to like make it palatable. Oh um, my God. That's you're describing a nightmare. That's I mean, they are. It's weird because sometimes it is very fun. And then sometimes it is. It it feels like the the most torturous version of my job where I do the bit about it in the, in the special where I was doing it for a company in India. So I'm performing literally the middle of the night. The show started at three 30 in the morning for me. Every person on that call was muted and their camera was off. And I was like, really like pushing. I'm like, guys, come on. Like I need some kind of feedback. And I'm just staring at, you know, 85 black boxes on zoom and just not, um, they, I had to do a full hour. Uh, it wasn't in the, it's not in the joke version. Cause it, it, the explanation isn't really that funny or worth it, <laughs> but there was another comedian who was like hosting the event and he logged off after five minutes. Come like, on. He's done. And I'm like, you're not even gonna, you're not even gonna stick around. I mean, the two of and, you could have had banter all day, at least. Yeah, we had three. It was three shows for this company because it was based in India, but like they had branches, I guess, everywhere. Uh, so we did it. I think it was like three thirty, five thirty, seven thirty, uh, so that people in different time zones could pick which one they wanted to go on. Three thirty was the only one where it was nothing, and then the rest of them it was like most of the people. I think or. I might be misremembering, but I think 3.30, everyone was muted and, and cameras were off. 5.30, no one showed up. And then 7.30, it was like 100 people watching, but five people we could see and or hear. Oh, and my I was like, God. This is... That ain't this it. Is nothing. That ain't it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that ain't I've it. gotten used to hearing like laughs on a bit of a delay or just like watching people like react rather than hearing it. Uh so you like they usually go fine. They're not, you know, groundbreaking shows that I'm like, oh, I, too bad I wasn't screen recording this great <laughs> Zoom show that I had. 
But I just did one the other day for uh, for a company while I was on the road. I just like stopped, got a hotel room for the night, set up, did a virtual show, went and saw Barbie. Like it's nice, like to not really have to travel. Even though I was like I was already traveling for that one, but it's like, all right, like I'll you know I could just spend all day driving home, or I could spend half a day driving home, do a virtual show for nine people, and then you know go see Barbie. <laughs> it's a fun day. The I mean, great. yeah, and I, I think that if you it's it's it speaks to your skill set and being able to pivot, because I think I mean, everybody knows of the constant stories we all tell of like just open mics where you kind of want to die and you're just like, oh, I'm just constantly bombing. But I think, you know, yeah. once you're a comic that's past the sort of constantly bombing open mic stage, it can be easy to forget how terrifying and humbling that experience is. And so I think Zoom shows maybe reminded some of you more polished comics of like, not that you had forgotten, but just maybe hearkened back to that time where it was like, Oh, I remember it, what eating shit was like. Yeah. Um, it, I think it genuinely helped. Not a lot of people have seen the special yet, but people who are at the show or have seen the rough cut, uh, the most common note I've been getting from people is they're like, you seem really comfortable. Yeah, you do. And I'm like, I, I am like, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable on stage. But I think part like nobody said that about my dry bar special or, you know, my last special. Interesting. Uh, and I don't I'm like, I don't think I was uncomfortable during those. But uh, I mean, I was uncomfortable during Good Grief because it's a it's an hour of sad comedy about losing my brother. But uh, that like I wasn't uncomfortable performing <laughs> it was like i don't know it's a sad thing to talk about for a long time um but i think doing zoom shows and doing weird outdoor stuff where it's like you know i did a, a show at a zoo during the pandemic where it was like i'm literally performing in front of a penguin enclosure i would have loved like, that in theory, it sounds fun. In practice, it's like, well, no one's watching me. Penguins are way more interesting than I am. That's why... I didn't think Zuzi, about that. <laughs> like, no one... It was... I, I've, I had to get used to like, well, this is... Part of it is like, well, this is my job now. So if a company says, we will pay you this amount of money if you do this amount of time, doesn't specify the time has to be going good. Uh, but... <laughs> Turns out. If I... <laughs> If they're like, do an hour, and I do 45 minutes, and they're like, no, we said an hour, we're not going to pay you now. I'm like, okay. So I would rather bomb for an hour and still get paid and be like, look, it just, I did the amount of time. Give me that check. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll that's, take it right now. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine, uh, a comedian named Jay Black, uh, he writes like Hallmark movies and stuff mostly now, but he's, he's still out on the road. Uh, early on, he's like one of the first professional comics that I met and was like nice to me and would give me advice and stuff. He's like, a bit of advice is like, you just have to get to the point where you don't care what the audience thinks of you or how the show is going. And as a guy who like my entire life has been pretty convinced, I'm like, I don't really care that much what other people think about me. Like I'm, I've always been like a weird kid and now I'm in a weird adult and it's like, that's fine. I don't mind that people think, I talk about Buck or Bonsai too much or that, you know, uh, I dress like a 90s film director because <laughs> I wear T-shirts and blazers most of the time. Um, <laughs> and Kevin like, Smith. I don't care. But during the pandemic, I feel like I really got, I really understood what he meant where it's like, oh, I just have to talk for 45 minutes on this 
internet call. It doesn't matter if it's good. Whether or not these people like it doesn't affect me as a person. It doesn't affect whether I get paid. And that is, I think, what people have meant when they're like, you seem really comfortable on this one. It's like, yeah, I've been inside telling jokes <laughs> to silence or at a zoo or like standing on the back of a pickup truck in a parking lot. Like you did can't you do that one? hurt me That's great. anymore. I yeah, I did, I did I a it. truck show. Um, I do, I've done so many weird ones where it's like, yeah, this isn't going to affect me them. I'll, I'll get through this and be fine. Yeah. Um, there was a comedian, uh, Adam Yenser. He uh, he wrote for Ellen for a long time. He's he's based out of L.A. He's from the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, where I perform a lot, even though I don't live there. And okay, he's a good comic. Uh, like he's he's a pro. And I walked into the local open mic one night, and he was just bombing so hard. And some guy in the front's like heckling him, and he's like getting into it with this guy. And then I just watched something click in Adam's brain. He's just like, hey you know what? I've had good shows before. I don't need this to be one of them. And then he just like <laughs> ignored the guy and finished the set. And I think about that all the time where it's like, yeah, I don't like, I've done thousands of these. It usually goes fine. So if I have a bad one every once in a while, who cares? Like I have the statistical data to be like, I'm a good comic. I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm the greatest or every time I go on stage, I'm going to crush, but like, if you were gonna if you were gonna bet on me standing in front of a group of people and telling them jokes going well, like yeah, you you should bet. I don't know. I don't know that much about betting. Do you take the over <laughs> on that? It's oh, hell. You're I, talking about it. Will probably go at least pretty good. Yeah, well, I I think that it's it's such a superpower. It's it's wild though how. I mean, um, I'm relatively new to the scene and like, I, I find myself thinking of jokes in situations that's so inappropriate and I'm like, Oh, I got to go write that down. I got it. Cause it warps your brain, at least in the beginning when you're hungry. Yeah. And I think that I, it, it's weird how we don't recognize, or I didn't recognize how utterly confident and self-assured most comics you you all are i mean even though there's yes there's self-loathing yes there's you know all the myriad things we all oh, discuss yeah, yeah we we know the you know the the mental health stuff we know that but this thing of like most people's biggest fear is standing in front of people and speaking and not yeah. only are you taking the thing that people fear the most but also it's your words your material and your experience there is not even if you're playing a character there isn't really a barrier between you and that. that's why improv was always so fun i was like well who cares i'm just being a character it's not really me even though you're like writing it in right. real time Comedy, I mean, it is, it, 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 comics should be running way more things than than are being run by comics. I should be on like a board. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> like, want, An advisory I'm board. I'm on a committee, <laughs> you should but be it's a like board. a comedy committee. I'm like, I want to be like, I should be on your town council. Agreed. Like, I should have something <laughs> there's a guy going through i'm, I'm not going to say his name because it's not to shame him it's a it's a it's a move there's a guy going through the open mic circuit in la right now who is actively running for town council or not town it, it, uh, like la city council city council okay and um he is he, he'll do like if it's a five minute set which most of them are he'll do about a minute of material and then it's a four minute pitch 
And I gotta say, I'm like, you know what? I think comedy warped your brain enough early on where you're like, yeah, I can pivot. I can take this to an open mic. I don't care. I bombed anyway. And I was like, yeah, it's a move. That's a bold swing. Uh, (laughs) He went for the fences. I mean, he's still doing it. God bless. Um, Okay. Well, just a couple more questions in this section. So, so your special is going to come out September 15th. Where can people find it? How, how can people get eyes on you? It will be up on my YouTube channel. Perfect. Um, which I, is like a trend lately. I've know like a lot of people are just dumping stuff on YouTube, and I feel like a couple years ago, it just like that seemed like self-publishing a book or like having a direct <laughs> to DVD movie in the blockbuster era. Um, but R.I.P. Blockbuster. I think, especially now, because you know everybody's striking against streamers being terrible. It's like, yeah, I mean, I could try to sell this, but like. To who? Netflix, a terrible company that I hate. Yeah. Why would I? Why would I want to put it on Netflix? Um, like Drybar was great to work with, and when they put the special up on YouTube, like it's got it got a ton of views on there. So it's like, oh, if everyone's just watching comedy on YouTube, I'll just put it on YouTube. Like, why do I need another company to be involved? Agreed. Where I can just upload it, where it's super easy to watch. Like, you don't have to have another app. You can just follow a link and watch the thing. You know, um, th- they're saying that like YouTube is one of the most um, equitable and like judicious in, in on the side of the artists of all of the places where you can, comp- can put content and they kind of always yeah. have been. So their reputation is propelling them forward. I heard the music streaming plat. Like if you do YouTube music, I think they pay on the lower end, but okay. all of that is terrible. Like, yeah. The fact that if you listen to an album on Spotify, the people who made that album get like a penny mm-hmm. is gross. Mm-hmm. My first album, like I, I just self-distributed it. And then I wrote this article about how I did it. And every couple months, a comedian finds it and then will reach out to me and try to get me to produce their album. And I'm like, no, read it again. The whole point is Wait, but you would don't you need someone else to do that? But could that be passive income for you or you're just like you just simply don't have time? Yeah, I've done I a couple people have broken me and gotten me to do it. <laughs> but I always try to talk them out of it. Cuz it's all like doing it for someone else is all the parts of it that I don't like. Yeah, I get that. Uh like I I put a lot of work into stuff like this comedy special because then it lets me do comedy more which is the goal. Like I don't do it cause I love, uh, you know, editing or filling out spreadsheets to get <laughs> audio on Sirius. Like that's not, that's not fun. For me. That ain't like, it. I, I do it. Uh, cause like I, you know, I have a, a film degree and a, like a production background. So it's like, well, I know how to edit it, so I'll do it. But if I, you know, had enough money to throw around I absolutely I would just pay someone else to do it but I don't so I do it my I, I'm I, I hired a colorist because that is like the last step and it's driving me up a wall where it's like I will work on it myself for like an hour and be like I don't know what color my face is anymore or it's just like you think like oh I there, I have a red microphone uh in the special because of Buckaroo Banzai and it's like is it the right red like is it is it too ar- like I don't know anymore? Like I don't know what colors mean. And then my my friend's a, a photographer, and he does like a lot of uh, work with like experimental color in his prints and stuff. And it's like, come on, I need I need you to explain to me what red is. And that's <laughs> been that's been a huge help. His name's Daniel Jason Decker. I don't want to not 
Well, that's lovely. Um, okay, so people can so they can catch it on YouTube. And then are you going to release the audio? Speaking of Spotify, are you going to release it on like Apple or Spotify? Or are you just doing YouTube? Uh, it will be out on uh, the audio get released as an album uh, at some point after it drops on YouTube. Because I'm trying to drive people there uh, initially. Because um, I have to like monetize a YouTube channel, you have to have over a thousand followers and something like 4,000 watch hours in a year. And I have the followers because I started a YouTube account when I was in college, like when YouTube started. Mm -hmm. So like I've, 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 I've had one for a while. And then I was, I was going to wait actually to put the special up until I could monetize the channel. But then uh, I'm like, Oh, if I, if I put this up, people will watch it. And then that will get me the hours that I need. Cause I have friends who are like, Oh no, just like do like a video game stream, you know, every night for a couple of weeks and you'll, you'll get it. And I'm like, that's like the one thing that I do to relax. Yeah. That I don't want to have to like be on camera and try to entertain people while I'm doing it. I just want to run people over in Grand Theft Auto <laughs> and stack pills in Dr. Mario. Like I don't want to have to like, describe the situation <laughs> I understand while that. I'm doing it. Yeah, no. We can't ruin all of our hobbies and try to monetize yeah. everything. It's just like, no, I need something that, that ain't ain't for that. I might start streaming Dr. Mario at some point, it, but that's only because I'm like really good at it. Yeah, your bio, it mentioned that you are, that is a, a part of your I'm, identity. I'm, so tell me. I'm playing in a tournament on Sunday. For uh, real? I'm like one of those tournaments? Mahoning Drive-In? Yeah, it's going to be on a drive-in movie screen. Uh, Mahoning Drive-In in Pennsylvania. I forget what town it's in. Wow. Um, Where you're from. Yeah, I just found out like an hour before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm on the border of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. I figured. So, but it's like the part of Jersey I'm in, there is nothing. So I frequently have to go to Pennsylvania for like any events. Um, like there is a movie theater in my town, but it's crappy. Um, I used to work there. And then now, like I have, I drive like I would rather drive half an hour into Pennsylvania to go to the good theater than, you know, just sit in a broken chair that's been broken since I broke it when I was. A <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so funny how many places I was reading you being like, I am from New Jersey. It's not Pennsylvania. I was like, I should probably tell him I'm going to write this in the bio and make it funny. And then I was like, yeah, nah, I'm just going to just say it and see if he thinks that it's I'm that dumb. My, my entire life, like, I think it started when I went to college because uh, I, I went to college in New Jersey and I'd meet other people from New Jersey and they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from outside Phillipsburg. They're like, isn't that Pennsylvania? I'm like, no, it's, no. it's, it's pretty close, but like, it's, it's cause it's, I'm out by like farm country. I get it. In Jersey. It's the part that people forget about. And then yeah. he, like my agent, uh, he introduced me on a on a Zoom show once and he introduced me as being from Pennsylvania. And I'm like, you book travel for me, guy. What are you doing? <laughs> are you is your brain broken? <laughs> but then I remembered I always ask him to to like if he has to book flights for me to do it out of Lehigh Valley Airport in Pennsylvania. So I'm well, like, I guess that's why. I guess that's the problem. But yeah. A lot of people have assumed that I live in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, cool. Well, we will look for your special and then at the end, we'll have you um, give us all the details again. All right, folks. Well, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. Uh, 
uh, you are very sweet and you said that you have listened to episodes, which we very much appreciate. So you get how this works. So I won't, I won't break it down. Um, okay. So we're going to, we're back and we're going to move on to the entrees. Okay. What is your first job where the government was taking taxes out of your money? You can say any of the like ancillary things that we do as kiddos, but if you can think of the first tax tax wielding job, my first like, Job job was at a company that was like a candy and tobacco wholesaler for like convenience stores. And it was, I think I was like 15. I was too young. Uh, there was a, there was a like program. They, I got called to my guidance counselor's office in high school. And she's like, there's this program that you can go get a job and then you will get to leave school early a couple days a week to go do menial tasks and I was like yeah that sounds great actually because anything I can do to be here less <laughs> I'm on board uh, I want to say I was like 15 but I I don't know how long I don't remember how long I had this job I was definitely driving at some point so it might have been like they told me about it when I was 15 and I couldn't start until I was 16 or something you can get your temporary um, license at 15 and a half in Ohio. I don't know if that's true in Jersey, but I I know you Jersey, can... Jersey, I think it was at least at the time 16. Oh, okay. You get your license. Okay. Um, maybe 17. I really... My my sense of time and when things happen is trash. Same. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was definitely too young because I wasn't allowed to use any of the machines, but that was the whole job. So... <laughs> The first day, they're like showing me what I need to do, which is like, here's a conveyor belt. People are going to like pick orders, put them in boxes. They're going to come on the conveyor belt with a little piece of paper. That's going to tell you where to send it. You're going to box them up in like a more efficient way to ship them. Like they would just have a giant box, throw some things. The box goes down the conveyor belt. I put it in a smaller box, slap a label on it. But they didn't like tape them. They had this machine that would tie them up. And I wasn't allowed to use the machine because I was a child. (laughs) But the whole job was put the box in the machine and like slap a label on it. So they were showing me around and showing me what the job is. They're like, well, you know, you can't use this machine because you're a literal child, but, you know, use the machine. (laughs) Uh, So I would do it all the time. And just like, like, you know, if somebody you don't recognize is like walking around for whatever reason. I guess they were like a health inspector or somebody. They're like, you know, don't use it then. Uh, I wasn't a good employee because I was again a child. And (laughs) I frequently would uh, put the wrong labels on the wrong orders and they would go to the wrong stores. And then the stores would be mad. And then uh, my boss would be mad. And I'm like, yeah, I get it, but I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I shouldn't be here. Like you're, this is on you. I, it had to be something where, like, I was getting paid, but like, it had to be something where the state they must have been getting additional money or something for me being there. Is the only reason I wasn't fired immediately because I was there for a while. Because I remember, like, every couple of months we would they would gift us like a huge box of like what was essentially just soon to expire candy and stuff because it was like oh here's a bunch of like christmas candy around christmas like all like the christmas color m&ms or whatever because they're not going to sell them in february 
And by next Christmas, they're going to be no good. So they're just like, here, here's a big box of candy, which again is like a 15, 16 year old. Like, this is the greatest job in the world. I want that now. Every three months, they give me a bunch of junk food. It's fantastic. Um, I also wasn't supposed to be allowed to like pack any of the the tobacco. Like, say it's like where convenience stores like order cigarettes and candy and stuff from. Um, I wasn't supposed to handle any of that, but it was like literally every order was 40 cartons of cigarettes and a box of candy. And I would just, I put the wrong labels on everything. Uh, they kept telling me I was packing stuff up wrong. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to get better at this. <laughs> like this, is, this isn't goals. <laughs> I'm just here so that I don't have to be at school. That's like, it. Full stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand. I mean, I think to your point, it feels like kind of one of those like probation like deals where if you hire someone who has some kind of record, you get like state funding as like a to subsidize like, hey, thanks for yeah. employing this person. It felt probably like pretty similar to like a, a work release. Yeah, prison. that's but what it I feels was like. a student at a high school and a child and not like a, a particularly problematic one. Like I wasn't great at it, but I wasn't like we got to get this kid out of here. <laughs> well, <laughs> So you must not have played sports in high school because wouldn't that have interrupted? No. Oh, you did not. Okay. Um, what, what was your or at? as an adult or mm. as a child? Mm. <laughs> That's okay. No judgment. Okay. So you did that for, and you, you don't remember exactly the age. Do you remember the length of time you had that job? I want, I want to say it was at least a year. Okay. That's wild. And then, um, okay. So you were, but you remained bad at it, committed to being terrible at that yes. job. Okay. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. I never, and at no point were they like, your performance is really improved. <laughs> it was every, like every shift, like you sent this order to the wrong store. I'm like, oops. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't doubt you. I just, I don't know what. I'm not arguing, man. I probably did. The paper, the paper comes and then I think I'm putting the right address. Cause I'm not like typing a number in wrong. And it just goes to the wrong address. It was full on like just swapping labels on stuff, but we weren't getting like a ton of orders at once. So there is a chance that someone else was messing this up and I was getting blamed. But I, again, I wasn't like invested in doing a good job at, at this. It was all a ploy to get out of school and I got probably minimum wage and then also every couple of months, a bunch of holiday candy <laughs> like, real yeah, talk is- that that perk was would be worth it for me now like that's a pretty dope yeah. perk um and how did your parents feel about you like leaving school early to do this because i assume this wasn't replacing classes like i assume you still had to hit your hours of classes and then you got to go yeah i think it was like i could leave school early it was like two or three days a week oh, okay. to go do this so it was like instead of study hall or something it wasn't uh, that makes sense uh, like i don't think i got credit for it. But again, I don't, I don't remember a ton about it. Sure. It was just the offer was presented to me as sometimes you can leave school early. And right. that was Done. basically all I heard before. I was like, apps sign me up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever Let's it is, this. if it's hitting me in the face I repeatedly, do, I don't care. I will badly box up cigarettes with a machine I'm not allowed to use forever. <laughs> if it doesn't, if it means I don't have to go to math class or whatever, but I don't think I was Done. getting out of classes. I think I was just getting out of having to be at school. Yeah. So it was a win-win. Um, how, yeah. m- how many customer service jobs have you had total? Now I count comedy, but not really like cu- comedy is customer service. It's like this sort of heightened example of it, but I'm talking like all the jobs up until comedy. Yeah. Um, I, I made a list last night and I know I'm going to leave some off. Um, that first one, I, I it was not, 
I mean, I guess it was getting sent to a customer, but I wasn't like interacting with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, a, I think the next job I got, I was a lifeguard. Oof. So not really customers, but like I'm interacting with people. And parents, um, that counts. And trying to keep them from drowning each other. Yeah. Which people want to drown. That's what I learned as a lifeguard. People, they just, they're ready to go. And <laughs> they, they want to do it at the YMCA. Uh, they don't care about the rules or their health or safety. I, um, the, I think my first real like customer service job where I was like had a register and was like dealing with customers who are paying, handing me money was when I worked at the movie theater okay. in high school. Okay. I'm gonna, um, I want to go back to that because I don't understand how you did that and boxed stuff up. So was the movie theater uh, a weekend job? Oh, this was all after. I don't, I, there wasn't like overlap. Okay. Well, good. You weren't being yeah. worked to death. I uh, either quit or got fired from that boxing job when I got uh, certified as a lifeguard. Okay. Um, so I want to, I'm, we're going to go back to the, the movie theater job, but the thing you said about the lifeguard job was people want to drown. Now you said, was it at the YMCA that you were a lifeguard? Yes. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I day camp directed at a YMCA and I can tell you that is one of the worst and hardest jobs I've ever had in my life. And the YMCA, no shade to the, to the organization, but wow, wow, wow. So please elaborate on why you say people wanted to drown. It was, I usually worked uh, like on the weekends or in the summer, I would do like the early shift, whereas just like when they would open, people would come in to start swimming at like six or whatever time the pool opened. So I would be like very tired (laughs) and just watching like the same eight very old guys do laps. And there was one guy every morning dove into the pool despite not being allowed to do that. And every day I'd have to blow my dumb little whistle and be like, don't dive. He's like, I won't do it again today. Today. He he wasn't like doing (laughs) tricks. He wasn't like getting in and out. It's just how he got into the pool. And it got to the point where it's like, he would come out of the locker room, like, don't dive. He's like, all right. And I'm like, don't, don't do it. And he's like, okay. But you don't have like. Any authority. Like I couldn't like give him a ticket. I just like, hey, <laughs> please knock don't get off because I knew he was going to do it and then he would do it. And it's like, well, don't do it again. He's like, yeah, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to do the same thing. What are you going to do? Cancel my membership? You're a child. <laughs> like I was 16, I think. Uh, and it's like, I, he's, he's just trying to ride out his last couple of years in a pool. <laughs> or if it was a shift where like, yeah, like parents and kids were there, just they're just jumping on each other. Uh, everybody would try to like stand on the kickboards in the pool and we're like, don't because it goes under and then it flies up and it smashes somebody in the face. They're like, yeah, but I'm going to do it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you could throw a kid out of the pool and then like you get screamed at by their parents for 20 minutes. And it's like, well, I told them not to do a thing that is dangerous and will hurt them or, a, or someone else in the pool. And you didn't listen. Like that's, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I was there until... Uh, there was a guy died in the pool, not when I was working, uh, but another shift I came in and then they're like, Oh, did you hear a guy died? And I was like, what? Like he had a heart attack like in the pool. So my friend was the lifeguard on duty when it happened. And she like dove in and did, you know, everything you're supposed to do. But when they, they got him to the hospital, like it wouldn't have mattered. Like, and this girl I think was younger than me. She was like, whatever the minimum age to be a lifeguard is, she was that. So I want to say like 15 or maybe just like a younger 16. 
but she was like really upset because obviously, and but they're they're like it wouldn't nothing you would have done would have saved this guy. Like his heart exploded, <laughs> and <laughs> his heart is in the so pool I'm actually. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh right, that can happen, huh? <laughs> like because I'd never. The whole time I was a lifeguard, I never had to like dive into the pool to perform any kind of rescue. It was all walking around telling people not to stand on the kickboard. And then the second it's like, oh, I might actually have to try to save somebody, huh? Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. No, <laughs> I'm going to, I did. It was like, that was the first job I think I like quit because I'm pretty sure I got fired from that packing job where I left high school early. Um, lifeguard was just like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> and then I went to work at a movie theater where someone died there too. But again, it wasn't like nobody was expecting me to do anything about it. Uh, can you care? I, I want to go back. To, I have some lifeguarding questions, but I'm going to, okay. I, well, I'm instead of confusing myself, I'm just going to say someone died at the theater. We'll get back there. Um, so for the, it was, I don't, I don't have a lot of details oh, okay, to great. follow up on. It's just a guy died during a movie and mm -hmm. then went, <laughs> they went to clean it and he's still sitting there and they're like, Hey, you gotta go. And then he couldn't cause he was dead. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I it was, that was another one where like, I wasn't, I didn't go in to clean the theater and find a dead guy. It was, I heard about it later. I mean, of course you heard about that later. I can, you know, it is a, you, you touched on this. It is a really wild concept as a child because we are children as teenagers where you think, Oh, people like, it's not a guarantee that we get to 85. Like people do just all of a sudden yeah. shit happens. It's a weird, like, cause when your grandparents die, when you're a kid, you're it's, of course it's sad, but it's also kind of like, yeah, but they have white hair and canes and like, that feels like they, you know, whatever right. again, still sad. But when someone in the, in the zone of like an age, you think you could eventually be, even if it's like forties or fifties in your head as a kid, it's kind of like, Oh, they weren't like old, old and they, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to try and understand. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, I think that was the person who died in the pool, I think was before anyone that I knew died. Oof. Like it wasn't, I think at that point, all my grandparents were still alive. Um, a, a high school friend died when we were in high school, but that was senior year. So it would have been before that. And I was like, oh, right. Like I was, you know, intellectually aware. Of death, yeah. But it's like, I don't want to have to be the one to fight it. You know, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I know how to do CPR. I don't want to do CPR. Yeah. Like, I like I know how. I don't want to have to do it. I just, yeah. I just did it to get a certificate and a job. Like it was, you know, I got a merit badge for learning how to do it. And Boy Scouts, like that's, <laughs> that's why. You wanted a patch. You didn't want to have to actually utilize the skill yeah. set. My yeah. youngest brother was a volunteer firefighter for years. And he's like, yeah, it's dangerous. But like, I want to help people. I want to put out fires. Because he worked at like a, the, our local fire department. And then he moved to, I think it's Bladensburg, Maryland. It has like one of the busiest fire departments in the country because uh, it's like really densely populated, buildings are old, stuff gets burnt up a lot. And I'm like, well, why would you go there instead of the place where you very rarely have to put your life in danger? And he's like, because I want to fight the fires. Like that. <laughs> I'm like, 
That sounds hard and scary to me, actually. <laughs> yeah, same. It's just, I, I dated a guy in the military who was so pissed that he had a he was stationed in Japan like when the explosion, the nuclear, like the earthquake happened and all that nuclear shit happened. Yeah. And he was like ready to get in the mix and they were like, oh no, you're going to stay on base and like do some stuff. And he was like, what? no i want to like go get exposed to nuclear waste it was like i want to turn into a fallout boy yeah like (laughs) nice um the movie theater movie theater was next what was after the movie theater uh then i worked at a blockbuster video what r.i.p r.i.p we stand a legend in college i worked at like just a local video store in mawa new jersey uh, I worked at an on-campus job for like the career center. I worked a couple different jobs, but I would like work the front desk sometimes. So I guess that was customer service adjacent. Yes. Uh, I was a birthday clown a couple of times. Um, yeah, some jobs you can get just by lying and telling people that you can do it. Um, <laughs> it was a woman at my campus job. It's like, hey, do you know anybody who can paint faces? My friend's having a birthday party and the clown canceled. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. I'm actually a really good clown. <laughs> Because I was a broke college student and I needed the money. Because I'm like, how hard can it be to paint faces? Like I, you know, I'm, I was in art class. I was like, I know what, I know how to make a kid look like Spider Man. And so I just told her I could do it. And then I like put a clown outfit together, and it didn't go great. I thought, but then the mom was like so happy. She started recommending me to her friends for their kids' parties. So there was a couple months where I was like doing a bunch of birthday parties in Mawa, New Jersey, as just a clown named Clint Tickle because my name's so dumb. I didn't have to change it. And it was it was wild. I never actually ended up having to paint their faces because I the part of clowning that I'm worst at is painting my face. Uh, and so I was like, oh, we can paint. Time to paint your faces. Like, no, yours looks terrible. Don't do that to <laughs> us. You don't know how to do that part of it. Just do, just do more juggling. Do you actually know how to juggle? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. There is like a slightly different timeline where I went into professional juggling instead of comedy. Is that real? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good at it. <laughs> it I, is, but I'm only good at like parts of it. The problem is like I have friends who are professional jugglers and they're like, well, yeah, like you, you got to learn how to do all the things because people's interest in any one kind of juggling dissipates pretty quickly. And like my parents got me a unicycle when I was 10 for Christmas. I asked them for a bike and they're like, we got, we'll get you halfway there, bud. <laughs> I never learned to ride it because uh, I am not I'm not like physically gifted um, <laughs> in any real way. So it is. But they still have it. My dad reminds me every couple months. He's like, it's in the shed if you want to learn. Um, and your dad's mean. It's, yeah. I'm like, I can I can do a bunch of different patterns with three balls. I could never do more than that. I can do like clubs and knives. Um, my I worked as a bartender. And I used to like juggle knives and like the bar fruit. And my manager every time would scream at me because he thought I was going to chop my hand off. And I'm like, I'm better at this than the actual job that you want me to do. <laughs> like, I, I will just stand here and juggle these steak knives for 45 minutes without dropping one. But I will 100% put the wrong beers in the glasses. <laughs> like that's, that's what's going to happen. That was how you got to act out about the guy who dove in every time you said, don't dive in. You're like, well, I'm going to pay this forward and I'm going to do the thing yeah, my yeah. manager as does. As soon as you turn around, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to start doing it again. <laughs> Fire me. Wait. And then they did. Not because of that, because I asked them to. 
Oh, I have to. Okay. Well, it has to be fired. I gotta, I gotta get back to that, but hold on. Wait, I don't know anyone else that's been a birthday clown. So I have to understand, did any kids sure. like cry because clowns are scary? Like, was there no. ever an aversion to you or just your face paint was so terrible? They were like, that's not a real clown. No, there were like kids who didn't like get that close, mm, That would but it was like, oh, you would come in. This was early 2000s when I was in college. Um, so I feel like that was before creepy clown stuff, I think really peaked. Um, and it was, yeah, like there were, there were a couple of kids who would like not want to sit up front when I was doing <laughs> juggling or magic tricks or something, but I don't think I made any children cry. Well, I love that you just like leveraged this into a business off of just being a desperate, poor college student. And then you had these like cool extra skills that actually did make you a good yeah. clown. That's right. Neat. I mean, part of it was like, I knew I knew how to juggle. I knew some magic tricks. I was like, I could, I could probably do this. <laughs> it was, <laughs> and then you built it, a business. I wasn't going in there a hundred percent cold. You yeah, know, like yeah. I, I was a, a, a dorky little kid with a lot of free time and not a ton of friends because well, I had them, but they wanted to like play outside. And it's like, no, let's sit inside and learn card tricks. <laughs> like, no, that's like, let's go no. play kickball. No, no absolutely no. not. No, that's card too tricks much. and Ninja Turtles all day. <laughs> okay. Um, so you had, uh, you, so Blockbuster video, then you did a local video store, then you did uh, off uh, some jobs for college. Then um, you mentioned a restaurant where you asked to be fired or a bar, a bar experience. Carrie yeah, elaborate. I was a, a waiter and bartender at uh, a, a chain restaurant that uh, I genuinely hope fails. Uh, ever, the local one closed that I worked at made me happy. I know a lot of restaurants are struggling right now. I hope all of them succeed except for this one. What does it rhyme <laughs> with? The comp- uh, it's a it's a, a Rolling Stones song. Is that who does that one? Okay. Uh, it's a day of the week. And I got a it. Precious gem. And <laughs> oh boy, do I hope that company <laughs> collapses under its own weight. Um, Why? <laughs> just because I didn't like working because <laughs> I'm petty. Um, Same. Well, part of it is like the whole restaurant industry paying people two bucks an hour is gross. Um, but that one in particular, just because I worked there and. Uh, didn't have a good time. But I know there's people who work in food service who like genuinely like it. There was a woman, my friend, uh, like a kid I was in Boy Scouts with, his mom worked there with me. Seemed like she was having the time of her life every day. Just, she loved meeting people. She loved telling them what food was good. (laughs) She seemed to be just having a wonderful go of it. And and I would just be the most miserable idiot because it was, that was after college. I got a film degree. I was doing like some freelance production work, but not a lot. Uh, So I picked up waiting tables to like make up the difference. But then the video work kind of dried up after a while. And it's like, I'm just a waiter. Like this is not, why did I spend five and a half years in college? If I could have done this out of the gate, like it was, it was less about like the actual job. So when I say like just a waiter, I don't mean that to denigrate waiters i mean that to denigrate me a guy who just spent a lot of money to get a film degree and then wasn't using it like i'm like if i just if i was if i was gonna do this i would have just done this out of high school um had a lot less i didn't need to go to college yeah uh so that i thought was really frustrating i complained constantly uh i i did not hide it from the the company or the customers that i didn't (laughs) it didn't like my job 
or want to be there. Um, <laughs> you would have been my favorite waiter. <laughs> customers, I think, genuinely found it refreshing. Yeah, it's <laughs> honest. Just, I was so straightforward. They would they would come in and I'd be like, hey, I'm Glenn. Uh, what can I get you? That would be it. I wouldn't try <laughs> to sell them things. I wouldn't ask them how their day is because I didn't care. It was just <laughs> the arrangement is you're here. I got to bring you your food. Just tell me what food you want. <laughs> and then I will do my best to remember to put it in the computer. There's a, it's a real coin flip that I'm going to forget to do that. And you might have to wait a while before I realize <laughs> that I didn't put it in yet. However. That happened a lot. <laughs> Did you blame the kitchen? We always blame the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Kitchen's really backed up. They're like, we're the only ones in here. It's Tuesday. At 11 a.m. Tuesday <laughs> morning. Like, you just opened. What do you mean? <laughs> Like, oh yeah, they're still getting everything. They're still getting everything ready. They're still prepping. There. Yep. Oh, I've done yeah. that too. Okay. <laughs> so you, why did you? So you, I mean, clearly, so your attitude was going to probably get you fired. But did you straight up walk up to a manager and say, "Yo, you got to fire me"? The assistant manager, uh, who was of like the management, the person uh, I resented the least. Uh, Rachel, if you're listening, hi what's Rachel. Up? Uh, she's like, it's. We know you hate it here. Like. <laughs> But this is your job. So what can we do to make you happier while you're here? And I just said, you could fire me. That would make me pretty happy. And then I finished out the shift. Then the next day, I'm supposed to go back to work. And before I leave my house, I get a text from the general manager. He's like, hey, it's Scott. Can you come in a couple minutes early? And I was like, yep, I can. I didn't even get dressed because I knew exactly what was happening. Uh <laughs> So I went, bought a ticket at the movie theater because it was in the same parking lot. You are so bold. Went and got fired, walked back and watched the movie. And <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was... Because uh, he, he sat me down. He's like, Rachel said you wanted us to fire you. I was like, yeah, I hate it here. He's like, well, then you're fired. I was like, thanks. And then I went down. <laughs> and part of me was worried. I'm like, I wonder how my wife is going to take this. Probably not super good. But I was like in the process of getting uh, all like the certification or whatever to be a substitute teacher. So I knew like once that came through, I was out the door. I wasn't, I wasn't going to stay at that job anyway. Uh, and the timing worked out because like I got home from the movie and the certification thing was like in the mail. So it was like literally the next day or the day. I, it might have been like a couple days before I actually started subbing. But it's like, yeah, I can, I can go do this other job right now. What was it specifically um, about working? Because was that your only restaurant that you've worked at? Yeah. So what made you hate? Was it just restaurant work in general? Or was it that specific chain, that specific location? Or all of it? I think it would have been any restaurant. Mm. I wouldn't have enjoyed. I understand that. Um, that specific one, uh, they switched general managers at one point because... Uh, I don't know why, because they just moved the one guy to like a different store that's nearby. What do, that's what they do. Um, he was such a weird dude. Um, but a lot of it was just like the, just the structure of restaurant work where I'm like, oh, this, the idea that you are getting away with paying me so little is gross to me. Uh, it is the, the idea that like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Cause you, you might know, cut sometimes me. Like, oh, you got to stay late or you get cut early or some nights it's slow. And I'm like, I hate all of this. Uh, and just the idea that it wasn't like 
unionized and there was no real way other than just being like a real grump about everything like I was to like fight the system That's <laughs> where it was like, it's not like that was my first job and I was just like annoyed that I had to do a thing I didn't want to be doing, which I was to be fair. Like I, anytime I have to do something when I want to be doing something else, I'm kind of a baby about it. But it was a lot of it was just like, yeah, this whole system sucks. Like I hate this. Like we, I still hate it. Like, you know, it's, when I see, you know, restaurant workers walking out and striking and I'm like, yeah, absolutely do that. Like burn it to the ground. So it probably would have been any restaurant that I worked at. I would not have enjoyed that one in particular. Uh, just the salad bar is not as good as people kept telling me it was. Uh, the, the food isn't very good. Uh, and yeah, it was just the pits. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're. It's funny because you have such a different perspective than those of us that have been entrenched in restaurants for a really long time. It's such a good point that I hadn't thought of that there really isn't a way to combat the system. Like I have, I've shared on the show before. You know, we used to at one of the restaurants where I worked when I was, I think I was like sixteen or seventeen. We would be told we had to roll silverware off the clock because they wanted to save on labor. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we, they did the same thing to us. That's fully and I illegal. Just wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's yeah, illegal. Yeah. I, like they, I just refused. And good for you. And they're like, well, then you're going to get fired. I'm like, then okay, fire me because I won't do work, work off the clock. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a wild concept that at the time I was like, oh yeah, this does save them on labor. A dollar? If I were there a half an hour rolling silverware, that's a dollar for to them. Yeah. Like what? It was just, it was the nature to exploit you. It's rife in restaurants. And another point I hadn't thought of that you're right. It's like you would go into every shift not really knowing what a time commitment it was. Like it could be two hours. It could be 10. Like you're not sure because you might work a double. There was one, one day I was sick. So I called them and I was like, hey, I'm sick. I can't come in. And they're like, well, we need you to come in. I'm like, but I'm, I'm not like, I'm not faking it. Like I'm, I'm, I had like strep throat or something. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sick. And they're like, we need you to come in. I'm like, I can get you a doctor's note when I go tomorrow, but like, I, I cannot come in. And they're like, they, they made it very clear that they did not care I was sick, that if I did not come in. So I'm like, I guess I got to go to work sick and like i don't i genuinely i, I think i did i think i just went in because i'm going to get fired otherwise uh or i like i don't i i called them on like the silverware thing where they're like no you got to stay late and do this I was like well no and I just leave and then i would get yelled at the next day like like literally yelled at not not like hey you were supposed to stay and you didn't uh there was a different assistant manager uh who i did not get along with named karen uh coincident like <laughs> just appropriately <laughs> she would like literally scream at us and i'm like i'm an adult <laughs> like i don't you can't just yell uh because when i was bartending i'm sure this there's a version of this exists everywhere but like somebody orders a drink at a table it shows up on my screen behind the bar and i gotta make that drink i did the math one day and i'm like i'm getting like a couple cents for every one of these that i make so if I had people at the bar, I'm like, I'm going to take care of these people first and then I'm going to do whatever garbage is on the screen. And the Karen would like yell at me and she's like, you got to do these drinks. I'm like, I'll get to it when I'm done with these people because these people pay me probably about a dollar a drink and I get 10 cents for every one of these I make. Uh, 
And she's like, no, these are more important. I'm like, not to me. They're actually one-tenth as important <laughs> as these other drinks. And she's like, that's not the right way to think about it. I'm like, I, I don't know how else you want me to think about it. Also, you're, you're paying me $2.13 an hour. I have to think like that or I can't pay my yeah. rent. Like, Absolutely. That's insane. That's an insane argument. Um, okay, so after the restaurant that you uh, lovingly requested to be fired from, uh, was there anything else in customer service? I think substitute teaching is a version of that, but it's not. It's not like I mean, dealing with parents. I think is very much customer yeah. servicey. If I was like a regular, because subs don't really deal with parents, uh, thankfully, because that yeah. probably would have been my least favorite thing to do. Um, but yeah, it was. I kind of like, except for the hours. Like I kind of like subbing as a job. Uh, because compared to like other types of teaching, it's pretty low levels of responsibility, depending on kind of what grade you were teaching on any given day. Mm -hmm. Because uh, a lot of the other subs didn't like going to the high school or the preschool, because uh, like there was there was the high school. There was also uh, it was called the alternative high school for kids who were like about to get kicked out of school, uh, and they like it was like their last chance to like make up work or whatever. I was there a lot because none of the other subs wanted to go because it had this reputation of like, oh, there's fights all the time. Like the kids don't listen to you. And they would send me all the time because I'm six feet tall. And they're like, I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to break up a fight. <laughs> like, I don't know what you think I'm going to, I'm not going to stand between two teenagers trying to beat each other up. I'm going to like tell them to stop, but I'm not sacrificing my body for this. Uh, but that ne it never happened. There was never a fight when I was there. That's not to say there weren't fights at that school, but like there was never one never broke up in class. And the classes were just me sitting there while they were working on whatever independent projects they were trying to get caught up on. Because the kids who showed up there were the ones who wanted to stay, who like wanted to get back to the regular school. If they were there, there were kids who were like, all right, you can go to the alternative school before we kick you out. They would just stop going because they didn't care. So they were like trying to finish whatever they had to finish. And then the preschool, other subs didn't like going to because they didn't like dealing with little kids, uh, which, you know, I, I have some now. They're great. I like kids. Uh, plus, they were uh, teachers aides in the room who would like change diapers or whatever like that I didn't have to deal with as a sub. So it's like, oh, I just we just do kindergarten stuff. You just get them to sing songs and tell them what colors are. Absolutely. Uh, so I was at those two places probably more than anywhere else. Um, but it was, you know, it's it's not performing, but you're talking to a group of people. Uh, so, you know, you get you get comfortable dealing with crowds. Uh, it was it was all right. I didn't love the hours having to get up so early and just kind of the the day to day of it all was stressful where like there was an app that we would sign up for. And when a job got posted, you would get an alert and then basically whoever grabbed it first got the job. Um, after a while, I had like a reputation as a good sub. So schools would call me directly when they knew they needed somebody. And I don't know why I had that reputation. <laughs> like, I don't think <laughs> I was that good. But the, the woman who did it for the high school uh, is like my wife's distant cousin or something. So I'd like see her at family reunions and things sometimes. And she she was telling like my mother-in-law or somebody like what a good job I do. And I was like, why do you keep saying that? And she's like, because you show up and you're not like you don't cause a problem. And I'm like, 
that seems pretty bare minimum, actually. <laughs> She's like, you would be surprised at how many people just don't come when we put them on the schedule or show up drunk or like are just smelly or will like one dude start handing out Bibles to kids in class and they're like, absolutely, you can't do that. Can't, can't uh, turns out you can't, really can't. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to hand out Bibles to anybody. <laughs> I'm just, the bar is pretty low as a substitute <laughs> teacher. If you don't smell and all the kids are there at the end of the day, you did a good job. It's yeah. like, I didn't realize how bare minimum the expectations of this were. I'm trying to find there's a statistic that shows like how many how long substitute teachers I don't know it's probably different and I'm sure it's different in every state but how long substitute teachers last based on like I read this somewhere once that it's like it, for some people it's a sustained level of you know casual side income and then for other people it's yeah. like a pathway into being like a regular teacher if it's a filled district or whatever but I didn't even think I mean I know a couple uh, actors out here in Los Angeles who do substitute teaching and they say it's the best thing ever for them because even with auditions and stuff, they can still work the schedule around it. Or if they know they've got stuff coming up, they just don't put themselves on the list. But I just feel like I don't, I think I've got skills, but then I think of being in exactly what you described of like maybe one day being at the alternative school with kids who are kind of on their last hope or whatever. And then the next day being with babies to have to shift that in your brain. It is almost like, I know that it's not the same day, but like it's almost similar to the skill of dealing with hecklers of I can squash this in one part of my brain and then get right back to my set and go and still have a great show. Like there, you sort of compartmentalize. I don't know. I, I do think, I see why you're saying like they're there. I, I feel like the we're scheduling the of it when you need it, when you need that to be your job is stressful. Cause it's like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to work tomorrow or next week or, you know, ever again. Cause it is like a lot of the time just day to day. But when you are using it, like I, I started comedy around the time I started substitute teaching. I think I might've done a couple open mics before subbing, but like I was doing both simultaneously and when you start out in comedy, you're not really thinking of it as a job. Uh, it is just like a fun hobby for a while. And then when you start, you know, getting paid work for it, having something like substitute teaching where it's like, yeah, I just don't have to take jobs this week because I have to go to Nebraska for a few days or whatever. Uh, it is like the flexibility of it, tremendous. The pay, garbage. <laughs> Uh, Not great. It is. <laughs> I think when I was doing it, it was something like $85 a day. A day? A day. And it went down after I left. Uh, I think it went up since, but not enough. It is It is like an insultingly low amount of money, at least here in Jersey. I'm sure it varies state to state, like all things do in education uh, in our in our broken country. But it got to the point where I was like, I was working literally every school day a couple of years. Like I would take off once in a while for a thing, but it was, there's enough schools in the district where I worked that I was working after, you know, the first couple of months, you kind of get in the swing of it. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing every job that I need to be doing and still like barely making any money. And then you would sit in the teacher's lounge and get to hear teachers complaining about how little they get paid. And you're like, Hey, you don't get paid enough. I, I got, but uh, you get paid four times what I'm making in a year. So uh, I don't have 
uh, any sympathy for you right now? Like intellectually, I do. You're right. <laughs> but like, I don't want to hear you complain to me about it because uh, there was a, a contract negotiation between the teachers union and the state uh, while I was working there. And I, I think every Friday they had uh, like T-shirts that they would wear, the teachers union. And the one, the like rep for the one school, the one day uh, I wasn't wearing an NJEA t-shirt because I'm not in it. Uh, and she's like, hey, the way she worded it, I almost just walked out of the building. I was <laughs> so angry. She goes, hey, I know you're just a sub, but it would be great if you showed some support. Fuck off. And like at least wore, I think they were blue. She's like, at least wore like a blue shirt. And I was like, I'm making so little money <laughs> to be here and have to do your job on a moment's notice. And granted, they're very different jobs. I'm not saying, you know, as a substitute teacher, my skill set would qualify to being like an actual classroom teacher. But I hated that lady forever. <laughs> like I see her around town sometimes and I'm still so petty <laughs> about it. Where well, it's like, yeah, I don't I don't want and like I and again, like I have, I have friends who are teachers. It is a hard job. They deserve to be paid more money. It, but don't complain to people making a quarter of your salary that you have it tough. Yeah, and you're... You I'm, do, again, like you have it hard. Yeah, you're but, not coming across that way. You're coming across as someone who dealt with exactly what you described. I just looked it up, and so the average substitute teacher uh, pay in California, and that's average, so it depends on where you are, is approximately $265 a day. But in northern New Jersey, where it sounds like you were when you were doing that, yeah. it has gone up to 100 a day. Uh, and yeah. But there are other Wayne Public Schools. I don't know where that is in New Jersey. It says they're offering 250 a day because they can't. Yeah. Um, so what you're describing is essentially I mean, $100 a day after taxes. What are you walking with? 75 maybe? I mean, yeah. you can't. And it's like a full day. No, you can't do any other job. And if you end up bartending at night to subsidize your income, you're bartending till 2 a.m. And then you got to be up at five to be able to make the calls to see if you're yeah, supposed to. I was, no. I, you know, I was out doing shows, which yeah, at no. the time were either unpaid or like not paid well enough sure. to really be considered. But it's like, well, I'm getting home at like two and then oh. I have to get up to Call be at school at 630. Yeah, or no, whatever. no, no. Like, um, it, was, it was rough. Okay, well, I want to say, okay, so of all of your customer service jobs, which was your favorite? You don't get to say comedy. I think probably substitute teaching. Uh, it's tough because like they're not around anymore, but I did really like working at video stores. It, I, I was like, a, I, I am still like a big movie nerd. Uh, so when I was in high school, working at video stores, no, like I, I knew I wanted to go to school for film. So I was, you know, watching everything I could and just having basically an entire video store that I worked at that I could, you know, I think the limit was five movies a week that I could check out on my uh, employee account. But I'm, I'm sure I worked around that limit a few times. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, where I could just watch anything I wanted. And then when I was in film school and working at a different video store and just like still any movie that came out, I, I could get it. And uh, it was like such a help. Uh, it I love that not a lot of people were coming into the video store in college because that was in like kind of the dying days of the industry. And that I really liked because I didn't have to do that much of like dealing with people. But my favorite thing when I worked at Blockbuster was uh, on when busy like Friday and Saturday nights when they were busy, my manager would would send me out on the floor. 
And he's like, just walk around, see if anybody needs anything. And at the time, this was like before IMDb, or at least you couldn't pull it up on your phone. Um, so people would be like, hey, I'm looking for a movie. It was like a game to me where they're like, I don't remember who's in it, what the title is, or anything about it. But I think it might, there might have been, it might have been like a beach. And I was like, Castaway with Tom Hanks. They're like, absolutely. And it was like the greatest feeling to find what the what movie they were looking for. The, le- the less information, the more fun it was. Uh, it was almost always a Tom Hanks movie. That's hilarious. Um, but then when I was bored, I would also try to talk people into renting Magnolia. <laughs> because I'm old enough that it was a two cassette rental. Oh. Uh, and those were the least popular things at Blockbuster. Nobody wanted to rent a two tape a movie. Yeah. Except for maybe Titanic. I was just going to say that's probably the truth for Titanic. So people would be like, hey... I'm looking for a movie. I don't really know what I want. I'm like, have you experienced the cinematic world okay. of Paul Thomas Anderson? <laughs> and I would talk them into renting it because it's genuinely, it's a movie that I genuinely love and I really like Paul Thomas Anderson's work. But most people in the town where I work don't. So <laughs> it is a fun thing for me, a guy uh, you know, who grew up watching Clerks, to be like, I'm going to make you guys rent a movie I know you're going to bring back uh, in an hour. <laughs> you're going to be mad. <laughs> And you're going to get something else. It was pure delight. It's the <laughs> best. They're like, what's a good movie? And because that movie, like the sta- the cast is stacked. So all you have to do is be like, it's got Tom Cruise, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Everybody's in this thing. They're like, oh, how have I not heard of this? Absolutely, I'll rent this. They don't get through Tom Cruise's monologue at the beginning before they pop it out and bring it back. <laughs> and I know that because if they you didn't rewind the it, and they wouldn't rewind it. And it would be like right at the end of that scene. that's so funny okay um so it's a tie between the video stores and substitute teaching did we get a final number of customer service jobs for you how many would you say you've had roughly and 10 10 ish i had a couple not customer service jobs in there okay but those were the only ones i think it was like i think it's about 10 and was substitute teaching the last thing you did right before comedy took off for you uh i was working as a writer for a couple different websites oh okay um, but the last before, like customer servicey thing was like substitute teaching. Before. I worked with this was like right before the pandemic. I worked with seniors where I would like help them run errands. Um, where like I wasn't allowed to do any medical stuff, nor did I want to. But if they needed someone to drive them to the store to like pick up their medicine and and like go grocery shopping for them or whatever, that was like you. I would do that. And then a lot of it was just like spend time with them so they have somebody to talk to. Um, that I liked doing, but it was because like, I love doing comedy. Like I get a lot out of watching and enjoying comedy, but like sometimes it feels like I'm not really doing anything to help <laughs> the world. Uh, so I would do, I did this job because it was like pretty flexible and like I could do it. In, at the time I was doing mostly like college shows. So I was only busy with comedy a couple months out of the year. Uh, so I was like, I have a lot of downtime. I should do something where I'm like helping people. Uh, so I would do that, but then stuff started to pick up again. And it got to the point where I was requesting off like so much time and the company was great. They were always like super helpful with me, like switching shifts with somebody or, you know, taking some time off. But 
the last time I had to put in a request, I was like, I need to take some time off. And they're like, yeah, just let us know when. I'm like, February. They're like, when in February? I'm like, I need to take off the month, the month of February because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on, on the road for almost all of it. Uh, I'm like, and that was when it's like, I should probably quit now, huh? And they did, uh, they wouldn't let me quit, actually. They talked to me and they're like, well, you can, can we just put you on like hiatus in case you like decide you want to come back? Because if you quit, then it's like harder to rehire you. But if we just like take you off the schedule or whatever, and I was like, yeah, oh yeah, that's fine. Like I'm, I'm, I would go back to doing that. During the pandemic, I probably wouldn't have done it because I have uh, autoimmune disease. Uh, so I had to be like pretty extra careful, uh, especially in like the beginning of it, which I, I mean is unfortunate because, you know, the elderly also were at high risk. Uh, it would have been great for me to, to help them, but I'm like, I, I can't. So yeah, I don't know. It was like that was rewarding. I don't know about fun. Mm. Um, the one lady that I worked with, I actively we did not get along, uh, and it was uh, she was just super mean to me every day. And I'm like, hey, I, you can ask them to send somebody else. She's yeah. Like, no. Uh, all right. <laughs> like I don't. Again, uh, it was like that thing of like I I don't care. Like I I'm an adult, secure in his feelings. Like I can sit here and have a lady be mean to me. Uh, while I, you know, cook her dinner or whatever. Uh, like, I don't, I don't feel bad. I don't, I don't like drive home crying because this old lady doesn't like me. It's like, hey, you're just a mean, lonely old lady. Like that's, you know, your grandkids don't call. So you have me like, that's okay. fine. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So was, was that, okay. So we got, okay. Um, so 10 total. What was the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst you were on the clock? It's probably that old people job. Yeah. Um, just kind of the whole thing, uh, yeah. really. <laughs> like, we, we will pay you. Can you just go get this guy's medicine? Um, I'm trying to think if there was any like truly wild stuff outside of comedy. Because um, the weirdest thing I've ever been paid to do was I had to go perform a wedding at a planetarium in Pittsburgh for two Star Wars nerds uh, whose first date was to a comedy show I was on. Uh, and I'm like, that's, that's, I'm going to have a hard time beating that as a weird thing people have paid me to do. That's awesome though. Um, Did you facilitate, were you still, the officiant? They're still married. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Unofficially, they went to the courthouse that morning because Pennsylvania, I guess is weird about, uh, they will sometimes let people like do the internet registry thing and other times they will not let them do that. So they went in the morning to the courthouse and got actual married. And then I just like, performed jokes in a planetarium has a yelp review ever had an effect on your job so like do people write in to comedy clubs about you or call about you or have you ever heard those stories uh not that i've heard of uh one guy did find me on facebook to complain about a show uh and was like tagging the venue um but like an actual yelp review no and i like when i was working in a restaurant, it was kind of pre-Yelp. Sure. Um, so it wouldn't have wouldn't have come up. I'm sure if I worked at, if Yelp was around when I worked at, at the, the restaurant, yeah. I would have been mentioned a uh, couple of times. I imagine I if you were. Because I, I hated that job, but I tried not to take it out on customers, but also like sometimes specific customers were just bad people that I didn't want to yeah. deal with. So you're like, so they're I'm in like, the line yeah, of fire. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm like, I don't, 
I don't like you. I, I would specifically try, but like, I know I'm miserable. I don't want to like ruin these people's day sure. by being miserable at them. Yeah. But some people were miserable already. And it's like, well, yeah, this is a fair fight then. Like, that's fine. <laughs> we're on equal like, footing. I will, <laughs> will ruin your day. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, the guy, uh, the comedy one, and I, I, it ended up being a bit that was like my closer for years because he found me on Facebook and it's like, well, now I know your name, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah, you were, you're dumb. You were an anonymous audience member. Now you're Dan. I know everything about <laughs> you, man. Your whole Facebook profile is public. I'm going to make audiences yell at you for a, 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 over a decade. And I have, and it's real fun. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever told a customer to F off or like gotten loud with a customer where you like just lost your cool? I got loud with a manager about a customer because they got seated in my section, but they changed where the sections were or something. There was, they changed something from the start. I don't, it was a long time ago. So I want to say they got, they were supposed to, I remember, they were supposed to be sat in my section, but it was a big table. So they had to seat them outside of my section, but then no one said, hey, Glenn, that table is yours. Yours. Because it was like a 12 top or whatever. And they did, I only had small tables in the section or something. So I'm just like standing around waiting for a table, find something to do. And then uh, Karen was like, that's your table. They've been waiting for 45 minutes. I'm like, they're not in my section. No one told me that that was my table. Like, I, I, I don't remember who I assumed was waiting on them. But I'm like, they've been in her section the whole time. And she was like really mean to me about it. And... It was like, I went over to the table. I was like, I'm really sorry. They just told me that, you know, you were supposed to be uh, my, I didn't explain how sections work to the table. I forget. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I didn't know I was supposed to be helping you out. I'm here. What can I get you? I'll put everything in right now. Get it out as fast as I can. I was trying to be like as diplomatic to the table. And they were like, if I remember, like pretty okay with it. Like annoyed because they had, it's, it wasn't even like they got drinks and then nothing. No one else was really in the restaurant. They just see me standing around not helping them. There was maybe one other server. And I was like, I'm really sorry. It was, you know, a mix up. I'll take care of you. We'll, we'll, we'll get through this together. And then I go in the kitchen to put their order in. And the assistant manager is like berating me about like, I need to be more attentive. I'm like, I, none of this is my fault. Like, hey, like, absolutely. I mess up at this job a lot and that's fine. But like this one... 100% not on me. And she was like, just kept harping that like, I should have done something differently. And I'm like, no, no, hey, again, this isn't my fault. So, uh, and she just wouldn't shut up about it. I, I, I full on yelled for the first time, I think, at like another adult in my life where I like used like my dad voice before I had kids where it's like, sometimes you just gotta use the fact that you can be loud to just at someone's attention and I don't do it a lot but uh, I did it then and it didn't feel good and she was pretty mad about it and I was surprised at how loud I yelled that table absolutely hurt me because it was pretty <laughs> empty uh, and it was it was buck wild are, are you do you tip absolutely what's your yeah, average yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think it's a gross system that needs to be burned to the ground but it's the one we got. So uh, absolutely, 20 is like the default. That's what I think. Like that's uh, baseline. B 
baseline 20%. If you're, if I have a, you know, a nice time or you, you look busy or if I, you know, sometimes just, uh, I, I don't know who, like, I don't know if it's an expression or who said it to me at one point and it sounded good, but I think about the phrase be generous when you can, mm. uh, a lot, especially cause like I grew up, we didn't have a ton of money. I don't have a ton of money now uh, either, but, uh, it is still like a thing where it's, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just because like not having money as a kid, we're like, yeah, when I have some, it feels nice to like throw it around a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and not in like. Not a gross a, way. A no, I get it. Flashy, like big time way. It is just like, you know, if I, if I do a big show, you know, if I leave a, a club or something with an envelope full of cash and I stop and get dinner somewhere, that person is getting a lovely tip uh, just because like, it feels good to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so 20, I would say, is is the baseline. If if I have a bad time, like if I I don't, I can't imagine a situation where I would not tip that is just not paying the bill. Like uh, if if the service is terrible and the food is like inedible, I might be like, I'm not paying for it. Like I'm not giving you money for this food that is, an hour and a half late and inedible. Uh, I'm not going to like walk out and like flip the tail. Like I'll uh, handle it like an adult, (laughs) but that's also never happened. It's just, that's the only time I can think of like, but even then I would probably still tip the server unless they threw the plate of food down (laughs) on the floor in front of me uh, on purpose. Like, I don't mean drop it. I mean like while making eye contact, did it out of spite. Like here's your, Here's your salad, idiot. Dick. Or like something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like 10 or 15 would be like the punishment but, version of the tip. We all say that. It's so funny. Yeah, where yeah. it's like, I'm not going to not tip you, but like, come on. you're Because especially as a guy who was a bad waiter for yeah. a long time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to. It's almost never that person's fault. That's right. Uh, sometimes it is. And... When it is, it might just be because they're having a bad day. Like I frequently would forget to put orders in because I have ADD, which was like undiagnosed at the time. So it was like if I didn't immediately walk from the table to the computer to type the order in, there's a very real chance it just wouldn't get typed in until they're like, hey, is our food coming out soon? And it was, you know, like a thing I did a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, an order or something takes a long time to come out and that's the reason it happens, you yeah. know, like I'm, I'm not going to be a monster and not tip that person. What is, you said that the tipping system is a gross system that needs to be burned to the ground. What's the alternative? Oh, just paying people. Boom. Just so pay easy. people it's so easy. a fair amount. Mm, such yeah. a solution. Uh, just <laughs> like what just a wild concept. Absolutely pay everybody what mm, they weird. Uh, need to live. Mm, uh, it mm-hmm. is, so simple. Uh, it's insane that we don't. Mm, um, agreed. But okay. again, like it's don't be Steve Buscemi in Reservoir Dogs. Like that's <laughs> not tipping people is not the way to burn the system down. I've Tell heard it. that argument for people mm-hmm. where they're like, oh yeah, if we all stop doing it, they're going to have to. No, that's, that's, 
that's not the way. A couple of fans of the podcast have sent me um, this article. I've gotten it a bunch of times now um, of how Gen Z's response to this is just they're like we they have tipping fatigue. And so they're like, we're just not tipping as a group or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, that's not systemic change, though. Like the only person you're screwing is that server. So like it's not the argument or the platitude or the whatever that you think it is. It's uh, it's just it's not even virtue signaling. You just look like a jerk. And so I agree right. with you. It needs to change. But I don't agree also that the solution is not just stiffing there's everybody. times, because I saw that article um, as well, and there's there's times where I've been asked to tip, and it's like, this is not the, the time. appropriate time yeah. to do that. Yeah. This is not, you are not making $2.13 right. an hour. You, right. this The tipping option was just pre-installed in your point of sale software, so mm-hmm. it's there. So those times, I don't feel bad at all about yeah. not doing that, or like, if it's the you know if it's the proprietor of an establishment, I'm not tipping not the owner. To, to tip them, yeah, you and own like this that bitch. stuff. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, like no, this is this okay. is your place. Yeah. Like you're you, you're you fine. Get, you get the profit. Um, I might still like. There's places where I go where it's like, yeah, I know the owner, and it's like a small enough place where like there's a real chance the owner is gonna be the one taking care of you. And it's like, yeah, I mean that's fine. I'll yeah, I'll still. But I, I mean, I, I got asked to tip at a bookstore, but not by the person, by the computer. And it's like, no, no, this is again, it's like you guys just haven't figured out how to turn that option off or you're just hoping people just, just hoping. Finally, I don't think I think they know yeah. how to turn it off. I think they're just like, maybe someone will tip us. Um, yeah. And it's like, I mean, I hope you get paid well, bookstore employee, yeah, but same. I'm not going to make up the difference. Yeah. OK. And last question in this section, who is the worst customer you ever had to interact with or an archetype of who the worst customer would be? There was a guy who came to the restaurant three or four times a week for lunch because his office was like right by it. And he got the same thing every day. But that thing wasn't on the menu anymore. It was an item that was discontinued quite some time ago, possibly before I even worked there. And it's like, we don't have it, man. And he's like, we'll make it. I know you have the stuff. But it was it was like a, a no low-carb tortilla wrap based sandwich thing. I don't remember the specifics, but for a while they would still make it for him because they had like frozen tortillas left tortilla wraps left over, but then they ran out and it's like, we don't have them. And every day he would come in and ask for it. But then he'd like, sometimes he would get a new server who would just be like really thrown off and be like, I don't think that's a thing we make. And he's like, I get it here all the time. Tell the manager it's me and they'll, take care of it. And it's like, no, they won't. Cause the thing you want doesn't exist in the world anymore. My guy. Uh, it's like, you ate it up all the low carb tortilla wraps. Like there, we don't have a supply just for you. But also if you need something that specific and the restaurant doesn't make it anymore, which is what happens when you go to an establishment, you are not running, then yeah. you either pick something else or you eat at home. It isn't the restaurant's right. job to create something specifically for you. Like that, that stuff makes drove me nuts. Yeah. I think he did eventually switch, but like it took more than once to be like, oh, we don't have that anymore. Sorry, my dude. He's like, yeah, he, I guess just, he's like, well, if I ordered enough times, they'll bring it back. Bless uh, his heart. Which, he's like a one man army. No, sir. That's not how that works. Okay. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed that. We're going to move on to the good stuff and hope you saved room for dessert. Okay. 
What's the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? I know I the one other episode that I listened to, you said this is another one specifically not comedy, but the nicest thing anyone has done for me was a, a couple that was at a show. I faint sometimes, just like randomly, kind of. And I, I did a show in Michigan. Show went great. Right after it, I'm talking to people who are at the show in the lobby. And then I get the feeling that I'm about to faint. So I like excuse myself and I just sit on the bathroom floor and like, cause if I like lay down and like I stay conscious, but I get like a little disoriented and sweaty. So I do that. And then this guy comes into the bathroom and he sees me sitting on the floor and like panics. Cause that's what you do typically. And he's like, my wife is a nurse. I'll be right back. And he's like so concerned about me. And the whole time I'm like, it's it's called vasovagal. I'm like out of it and sweating. And I'm like, it's called vasovagal syncope. It's not a big deal. It looks scary. I just need to sit down for a couple of minutes. I'm like, if you really want to help, some ice water would be tremendous. But he gets his like nurse wife to come in and she's like checking on me. But she also knew what it was. Like she's familiar with it. And I'm like, I really just need to like sit here for a little bit and I will be completely fine. And they're like, we don't, we're worried about you. Like, we don't want you to have to like drive home in this. And I'm like, oh, I, my hotel's like five minutes from here. It's fine. So this very nice couple drove me to my hotel, but then came back in the morning on their way to church to bring me back to my car so that I wouldn't have to take like an Uber Come or something. Come on. And the guy gave me his business card and he's like, you're, you're, I know you're going to think this is silly, but if you could just let us know when you get back to Jersey. And I'm like, this is the sweetest thing in the world. So I texted him. I was like, hey, man, I'm back. Everything worked out fine. So that that couple I still think about pretty regularly of just like, there was no need. Because again, like I was fine and the wife even knew it, but she's like, I know, like, you know, you you look tired and sweaty. Just let us drive you home. So that was really nice. But in terms of like customer service jobs, uh, I don't think anyone was ever nice to me. I mean, that's honest. That's the hardest question that people <laughs> get asked. But that's great. The, uh, the old people job where I was helping elderly people, the one woman that I worked with was genuinely like really sweet and a, a true joy to like get to spend time with. I don't know that any like one thing stood out. She kept trying to give me stuff, but it was like part of the rules that I wasn't allowed to like accept it. gifts. Yeah. I might get in trouble cell. for admitting it, but she she gave me a bunch of far side books. Oh, because uh, she knew like we okay. she knew I was a comedian and loved comedy, and she she was like clearing out a bunch of part part of the thing I was helping her do was like clear out a barn of yeah. like old stuff she was just getting rid of before she died. Uh, so she she had a bunch of far side comics. She knew I like like Gary Larson. Larson. Uh, so she's like, she gave me those, and that was the first time I was like. This is like, yes, technically a gift, but like the value of five 30-year-old Farside books is enough that, you know, I don't think anyone would be like, you're exploiting this woman for profit. I'm like, I have these already. It she's just, just giving them to me because she, she knows she's... She just gave them to me to be nice. And yeah. I, it, was, it was like the hundredth thing she'd probably tried to give. Bless her heart. And every other time it's like, no, I can't. You know I can't take... Or I think we could. We had to like declare them or something where it was just like, I don't have to fill out a form for this. But yeah. I do like... I genuinely really like Farside Comics and I thought it was really nice. That so is I very probably sweet. took that. 
Yeah. Um, who, or what is the best tip you ever got when you were working a tipped position? I mean, I guess the books are pretty great, but was there ever like a monetary tip where you were like, hell yeah. No, I heard, I remember hearing like stories of people getting like crazy good tips on stuff and it being like a life changing amount of money. I would get tipped like, well, sometimes I got tipped after a comedy show a few months ago, more than the comedy show was paying me. Like Damn. a woman just liked the show. She asked me for my Venmo and I thought she was going to give me like a couple bucks. She gave me like more than I was getting paid to do the show. Hell yeah. Like, That's, I was like, I saw the alert. I was still there. Like I ran out to my car and like got merch and insisted that she take it. Like I'm uncomfortable taking this amount of money for no thing. But yeah, I don't think I ever got like a huge amount where it's like, what? like I got, you know, probably a higher than average tip on big parties a couple of times. Sure. Well, no, um, that, that, that tipping at the end of the show is a pretty great. I love that. Good. Yeah. John Cena tipped me pretty well. Oh, the, yeah. The big strong man. Wow. Uh, he came into the restaurant, but I didn't know who he was. Oh. Uh, he was there with like a bunch of people. He, he stands out in a restaurant just because he's like very large. I don't think he's super tall. But it's like, oh, it's a very, very big, strong man at this table. But I'm not a wrestling fan. So at the time, he, this was like, he might have done one or two small things in movies, but he wasn't like the guy he superstar is now. John Cena. He's just like very popular wrestler who's in other things sometimes, John yeah. Cena. So I had no idea who he was. And the whole restaurant was like losing their minds the whole time he was there. People kept doing like the hand wave thing at me. Oh, sure. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what this what is. is this? <laughs> and, then, and then he left. And they're like, do you know who that was? I'm like, I have no idea. They're like, that's John Cena. I'm like, I still don't know who that yeah, is. Those aren't like, words he's a wrestler. I he goes like this. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. all right. And then they're like, what did he tip? And I don't remember, but like it was well, it was an above average amount. Uh, he was super nice. He wasn't like, uh, you know, short or dismissive or anything. Yeah, good. So after that, like I said, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I'm like, anytime I see John Cena and stuff, I'm like, He's a nice guy. I hope things work out for him. It seems to be going well. <laughs> seems like he's he's, he's doing okay. Um, yeah. What's the best lesson you've personally learned from working in customer service? That the person taking care of you in a customer service position doesn't want to. <laughs> like almost, I'm sure it's not true 100% of the time, but there is absolutely something they would rather be doing than talking to you. So you should do whatever you can to make that experience go well for both of you. Mm. The idea that like you go to a restaurant and you just expect the server to like just be so doting on you. Like they have stuff going on. They just want to make sure they're making their rent uh, that month. They don't, they don't want to hear about your grandkids or whatever. They're just trying to get through the day. So like be nice to each other, but just like keep your heads down. Like, let's get through this together. I love that. And then final question in this section, what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? I would say same. Like the idea that the, the customer is always right is, uh, is uh, that's not ever been a thing. Mm-hmm. There's more to the saying that people just like cropped off. It's supposed to be, the customer is always right in matters of taste. Yes, not in, you know the actual quotes. No. Yeah, I might have learned that from uh, your podcast. I actually. love it. <laughs> but uh, it is it is like just, th- that doesn't mean you get to just be horrible to people. It just means like, if you want to buy a blue shirt 
and the person selling it to you is like, you'd look better in green. You get to buy the blue shirt, you know? Like you get to, to make a bad decision. That person's actually probably right. Like you should probably listen to them. But, you know, you as the customer get to decide like, yeah, I want my pizza burned. I want you to burn it, make it, just put it in there for like five minutes longer than you think because I like gross, disgusting, burnt pizza. And that person, they they should do it, you know? But that doesn't mean if they don't, if they're like, hey, I actually take a lot of pride in the pizza that I make. Uh, if If I burn it, I feel like that's not really a product that I want to sell people and put my name on, you know, again, like back to the idea of like, you're trying to get through this together. There's the whole thing of the idea of like comics, you should like a real comic should be able to kill in any room. I don't want to kill in any room. Like I want, I want to find an audience that likes what I'm doing. I don't want to, you know, just do racist street jokes so that I can kill at a VFW hall in Indiana. Like I want ta- I want to do a lot of jokes about Jurassic Park, even though that movie came out 30 years ago. It's okay. Uh, and and fewer and fewer people know what I'm talking about <laughs> when I when I bring it up. And it's like, yeah, I I do joke not to like turn this into a plug at the end, but like I do jokes on the special. I'm like, this one's not for everybody, and I know that. But I think anybody tuning in to a special that I'm putting out to watch me will be on board for you know however many Jurassic Park jokes I want to do. If I'm just doing a regular corporate gig somewhere, I might, you know, put a governor on how many times I I bring up a 30-year-old movie. But on the special, I think I say the phrase Jurassic Park more times in Glenn Tickle Against the World Crime League than they say it in the movie Jurassic Park. You say it a couple times. It comes up. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's throughout. And it's because in I think it is... Uh, just because I'm petty, where I do one Jurassic Park joke on my dry bar special and it is like the the least reaction I get, the whole thing. So I'm like, oh, well, the lesson here is... Do it more. A lot of people don't remember Jurassic Park. But I'm like, <laughs> no, the lesson is do it more. <laughs> yep, I get it. <laughs> you found the line. Uh, well, Glenn, how can people find you? When exactly? De- well, we already know exactly when it comes out. That question was old. Um, what are your yeah. socials? Like, remind people how they can get at you. Tell us all the things. Sure. Uh, I'm at Glenn Tickle with one N uh, uh, across all social media, not Twitter anymore. Um, you mean X? Yeah. I, the second Elon took over, I deactivated my account. And then I still see people like, oh, I think it might be time to go soon. It was time to go. <laughs> Months it's been ago. time to go. <laughs> but yeah, it's at Glenn Tickle, uh, Instagram threads, blue sky, uh, until that runs itself into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my special will be out September 15th on my YouTube channel for free. There will be like an extended version if people really want to give me money, but making people pay me for stuff always feels gross. So part of the reason I wanted to put it on YouTube was just to make it so that you know, I can send my mom a link and she doesn't have to sign up for a thing. She can just watch it. Uh, so there will be an extended cut with, I think it's like 10 more minutes of, it's mostly tags that I, I trimmed for time uh, rather than, there. there's one, you can hear about a time I bombed really hard in Boston uh, that I tried opening the special with, but it didn't work. So when we did the second show, I just skipped it and did the joke about the shed. So I'll put that one on there. Amazing. 
Well, uh, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us directly here at Service from Hell, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing from y'all and really appreciate the outreach. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks for being on, Glenn. This was lovely. You thank gave you me so much. Me. This I had was, a wonderful time. Well, I, same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, go watch the special after September 15th. We'll see you later. Good night. You really got it. Thank you I, for having me. Oh, this was lovely. I was surprised you do the intro live. Yeah, it's because um, a, a lot of people have not heard the show. And so it kind of yeah. gets them in the, um, not a lot of people, but a lot of comics. It kind of gets them but in the... But you do it, it's it's the same thing every time. So I assumed it was like pre-recorded. Yeah. And then when we started and you did, I was like, oh no, she just does that word for word every time. Yeah, I do. Yeah, just because um, I found when I, there were a couple episodes where I was just taking it from previous ones and putting it in and people felt like yeah. I would start cold with their bios and they'd be like, oh, okay, we're in. So I found that it by, it's the reason that like, you know, you don't walk on stage and immediately like go after, I, which is wh- what I thought would work. I'm like, just start in right away. And people get kind of like squirrely, especially when I interview non-comics. Yeah. They get kind of like, okay, okay, because people get super nervous, which is really sweet. Right. But yeah, so I do it live. Do it, we do it live, Glenn Beck. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs>